Hi, I'm Rick Hess, Director of Education Policy Studies at the American Enterprise Institute. And I'm Pedro Noguera, Dean of the USC Washington School of Education. Welcome to our podcast, Common Ground, Conversations on Schooling. Two of us often fall on different sides of the big questions in education, but today we're going to talk through some of the educational issues of the day in search for deeper understanding and sometimes common ground. Today, we're going to talk about school sports. Pedro, as we're recording, we're post-Thanksgiving into December. College football is in its crazy phase. Coach Carousel is spinning around. Maybe we'll get to that, the conversation about whether coaches <laughs> are being paid too much and all these questions. But also, you know, we're at a moment, uh, a year and a half into the pandemic now, where schools shut down a lot of their sporting activities in early 2020. Um, a lot of this stuff's been disrupted. There's issues about how important it is uh, that schools make it a priority to get a full slate of sports back up and running. And uh, let's talk about all this a little bit. H how do you think about the role of school sports? How important is it? Wh what's your take? You know, so I, I was an athlete uh, in high school and college, and I loved it. It was a big part of my experience. It was... What'd you play? I played soccer. And then in college, I played rugby. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it really enhanced the whole experience for me. And um, I tried to um, get my kids to play and, and ended up coaching all of them, although the youngest is not so interested. <laughs> I, I just think it's a great way to, uh, to connect, to meet people, and to develop another part of yourself. And, um, and you know, the discipline you get through sports, I think, is, is really quite helpful to most people. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that, you know, that's very much how I come at this. You know, there's a lot of people who either say, well, school sports are kind of a nice to have. They're not a must have. This was a big thing during kind of the, com the, the, the No Child Left Behind era that there are all these people. Well, let's focus on what's important. And there's also, um, at least, I guess, in the orbits I hang out in, more people than I'd like who say, well, football is teaching the wrong values. It's violent. And I come at it other ways. I think sports are a wonderful way for kids to get to own responsibility on something that matters to them. I think it's a great way for them to develop a relationship with adults. When you get, you don't have to be a great coach. When you just get a coach who cares, a coach who's invested, it's a way for them to really develop a relationship with an adult, which is about a shared goal rather than just teacher or student or, you know, parent. I think uh, losing things you care about is a really useful and important experience. So, I, I mean, I, where I tend to start from is that when people start talking about how, how, you know, how sports really aren't a priority and shouldn't be, it's just not how I think about how kids interact with schools. And I'm worried that as we get, as we try to push back into schooling, that not enough emphasis has been put on this piece of the puzzle. So I think I, I'm in agreement. Um, I think sports, it, it certainly was a big part of my life. Um, I still enjoy watching sports, but I do think it sometimes gets overemphasized. Uh, you know, we just recruited a, a new coach uh, at USC. Oklahoma's going to get paid millions of dollars. I have concerns about the athletes um, because most of them are not going to be professional and many won't get even college degrees. And I think that is exploitive. I also have concerns um, about 
the attention it gets at the expense of other things. Um, and that to me is not an argument against it, it's, but it is an argument in favor of being balanced. Um, I also worry the other way. I worry about, uh, or I don't know, worry, but I think that when every kid gets a trophy and you don't keep the score, <laughs> kids aren't getting some of the um, important lessons out of sport, that it is about playing hard. It is about trying to win. There's nothing wrong with competition. And um, I, I think that sometimes parents are more concerned that the kids feel good than learn lessons about, you know, the importance of trying hard. You know, a couple things you just said that really resonated with me. I mean, one, th th there is this point that I, I think sports are important to like a full experience, but you're right that it's easy to kind of lose a separate portion about this. Let's get, let's talk about the college and the coaches stuff in a second. Cause I, I mean, I, I tend to start out, I tend to think a good following college football coach is doing a lot more good for their charges and for their state than a lot of the professors who are complaining about how much the, the football coaches make. But that's kind of an interesting conversation. But, but, you know, I think when you just think about the parental piece of this, you're right. You know, uh, Grace and my seven-year-olds my, my seven play soccer and plays basketball and stuff. And, you know, they're second graders. I mean, the right response is to stand on the sideline and kind of say, way to go, guys, and way to hustle and to laugh because seven-year-olds are really pretty funny when they're doing this stuff. And, like, you get some of these parents who are intense and who are, like, angry and who are, like, instead of telling the kids to listen to the coach or second-guessing the coach, and you're like, you know, if we want sports to play this, like, healthy, constructive role for kids – like we've got to bring that to the kids. And there's somehow starting, I mean, decades ago, we wound up with this thing with these high school parents who lose their minds. And part of this is we've got to reestablish some of the, I mean, it's hard. I mean, when you can't, when you've got members of Congress threatening to kill one another, it's hard to talk about norms of behavior, but I, I, I kind of just, I mean, you've been through this a lot more than I have. You've got a bunch of kids and I've only got the two. So I'm curious. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's funny because um, I played, uh, as I said, middle school, high school, college. My parents never once came to see me play. And I never expected them. Uh, I, it was for me. I, I liked it. I made the sacrifice. I did it. But with my kids, not only did I take them, I coached, <laughs> you know, I take off work to go watch a game. And that's a part of parenting now. And it, it's different. And maybe it's better. Maybe as long as the kids get as much pleasure out of it as the, as the adults do. And I'm not always sure that's the case. Um, and that I think speaks to the bigger point about keeping it all in perspective. You know, think about how many communities um, and cities right now will put all these public resources into football teams. Meanwhile, their school system's falling apart. And, um, you know, they don't realize the fate of their city is much more dependent upon the schools than, than on the football team. Um, so I think that that it's out of balance and out of whack in a lot of ways. And um, I don't know how we get it back uh, without losing it entirely. I mean, the truth is I still watch um, sports. I watch football, but I do have concerns about all the head injuries and, and these athletes that are um, impaired for life. I, I believe that they took away the helmets and shoulder pads, football would be safer because then it would be like rugby. And uh, people wouldn't use their heads as weapons. <laughs> so um, I think there are things we could do to make sports safer and to take some of the money out of them, which would be good. You know, on the safety question, I mean, what's, 
what's your feeling about uh, high school football? I mean, right. What one push is for the seven on seven, which is kind of what you're talking about that you get rid of the blocking and it just becomes basically a passing game. I'm just curious. Where, where do you tend to come down on that? I think make it more like rugby, you know, um, you can still do it. Um, you know, big full field. I was in uh, New Zealand a few years ago where they play rugby professionally. You don't get the same kind of injuries uh, that you get in American football because you're not wearing armor when you play um, and you're still tackling with your body and um, it's very physical, but it's not uh, deadly. And um, even now when we see uh, the protections in there for the quarterbacks, at least uh, that you still see a lot of serious injuries and you know, the, the lifespan of a running back is really short and getting shorter. And it's because it's so dangerous. Yeah, no, no. I mean, running backs, man. And, you know, somebody was just writing about like the top eight paid running backs in the NFL. And I think seven have missed a big chunk of the season. They hurt. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's interesting for me. I, I, I hear you on the rugby thing. I mean, I feel I, I, I've always been a football guy. Um, I love football it feels deeply ingrained in, in ways that, but you know, the, the points you're raising are real. Um, I mean, obviously concussions uh, are something you got to take seriously uh, as a parent of like a 12 year old or a 15 year old, like, you know, there, these are obviously serious conversations, but I also think there's something about the way football gets, you know, it's, if you read the New Yorker every, every year and a half, they seem obliged to write like some dismissive, screed about how football's the, the ugly side of the American nightmare. And I just don't see it that way. I mean, when I interact with folks, I think the folks who've played football, there's something about the discipline, something about the rigors, something about the, 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 the pageantry of it, that I think it's just different than playing like high school basketball or baseball or tennis um, in ways that are really good for a lot of kids. Now, part of that is like you said a few moments ago, I think a lot of kids, we know a lot of kids have just unbelievably misinformed a sense of the odds that they're going to make it to the NFL or NBA. We know that these are particularly kids who often are worse served by school. And instead of us figuring out how do we buckle it down and serve them and get them educated the way they need, we kind of let them dream of that lottery ticket that's probably not going to happen. Um, but so, yeah, and it's weird. It feels that these are conversations about something that's really important that we just love if school board meetings spent more time wrestling with this stuff. Um, and you just, I can't remember the last time I heard folks have a good faith conversation about how, how they try to sort this out. Yeah. And because, you know, I do think um, giving kids the chance to play, to be physical, um, to experience competition is an important part of kind of healthy development. But, you know, again, going back to the brain injuries, you know, think about boxing, mm -hmm. right? When I grew up, uh, boxing was a big sport. I love to watch boxing. Now, I think, box when's the last time you saw a major match uh, on TV? You know, people, this wide agreement that it's corrupt and it's um, abusive. And and I, I have a feeling that football could end up in the same way if the sports don't take the lead in protecting the athletes and, and not just protecting them physically, which is critical, but also ensuring that the, the, the student athletes also get an education. Um, so they come away from it with something tangible that will benefit them. Well, and that's obviously an especially big issue in, in college. Um, 
curious kind of, I mean, you're at USC, which <laughs> just hired a uh, hotshot new coach in the middle of a lot of this. Um, I mean, what's you, I mean, you've been at UCLA, you've been, you know, Harvard, NYU, not so much, UCLA, and you uh, I mean, what's your experience um, as far as how these institutions think about uh, the student athlete challenge nowadays? So it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. I've gone to more college football games in this season than in my whole life because uh, it's <laughs> such a part of the culture here. And it's, it's fun. It's exciting when you win. And that, this season's been pretty bad at USC. But I, again, I think, um, you know, what people don't realize, we have 24 Division I sports. You know, we're really good at beach volleyball. <laughs> I mean, USC sent more Olymp- uh, uh, athletes to the Olympics than any other college in the country. But they were all for things like, you know, track and field and, and, and sports like that that don't get a lot of glamour and attention, but to me are just as important and, mm-hmm. and we should encourage. So as long as, you know, we can keep things in perspective, I, th- I think it's good. It's, it's healthy. Um, but I, I think it, we, we are watching. I mean, you, the salaries, when you think about sports as an industry, the salaries make sense. When you think about other needs in our society, they make no sense at all. Why a, a point guard should get millions and a teacher gets, you know, uh, a sour pill left to live on. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, and yeah, I, I mean, and it's especially weird because like, if you think about the sports that actually have minor leagues, like baseball, like they're, they just had this whole collective bargaining fight and the Major League Baseball, this whole realignment. And like, now the minor leaguers are going to get like, I don't know, $3,000 a month or $5,000, which is like a big deal. And like, if you happen to make it up to that next top, now suddenly you're in arbitration for five, six, $7 million a year. Exactly. Um, and it, it, right. I mean, it, it, arbitration seems so arbitrary, like how, this, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's right. Although this whole financial thing. So I mentioned like, so Brian Kelly just got hired away from our, uh, Podcast manager Tracy Shearer's beloved Notre Dame to go down to LSU and be the new coach and try to bring the Tigers back. Um, and there's a professor, I forget who it is, some professor down at LSU, I guess, who had been got some attention like in the Chronicle of Higher Ed world for writing about how the football coach made in a day and a half or two days what that what that professor was making in a year. And I guess with Kelly's new contract probably takes him about an hour 45 to earn what she's going to earn in a year. But on the one hand, yeah, I get it. It's exactly your point about, on the other hand, um, y- you know, I see, you know, now there's these Brian Kelly just ran out on kids. He recruited to Notre Dame. He quit on them in the middle of the year. Cause an opportunity came up. Like I have no truck with that. I think it's despicable behavior that the that these coaches want the NCAA to lock students into a campus they commit, but coaches can hop up and just disappear when a better opportunity comes up. So I, I I'm with the critics and all this, but it just you know, but assuming a coach behaves um, in a way that I find more honorably, the um, I mean the intensity uh, uh, of the coaching and support they deliver, the size of the team they're managing, the impact they have on an institution's visibility and a stick. Um, I mean, it seems to me that a lot of these guys work harder and are better at their jobs than the university presidents and do a lot more than, you know, a hundred scholars who are busy kind of deconstructing the 
social implications of 18th century, you know, Flemish poetry. <laughs> so, I mean, I know, and I know in the education world, I'm supposed to wring my hands about these football coach salaries, and yet um, I'm not quite there. Yeah, I, well, the way I look at it is, is sports is an industry, um, and it and it's influenced by the market just like any other industry. And you can't, you know, it's easy to pick on the coaches uh, to say, well, they're uh, making too much, but you can't solve the problem the way it gets distorted just by focusing on one piece of it. You gotta look at the whole thing. Um, I, again, I don't know how you fix it. I, I, I think there are um, other countries that do it better than where it's more of an amateur. You know, again, I'll go back to New Zealand. In New Zealand, they require the professional rugby players to perform um, service in their community where they, where they grew up. And um, what they have found is it's actually reduced the number of athletes who have substance abuse issues and who have uh, domestic violence because they are not just surrounded by a bunch of male athletes all the time. They're in the communities with families. They're, um, it, it's healthier. So I think, I think there are things we could learn from other places about how to keep sports in its right perspective and not allow it to be, um, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, the glamorization, I, I've spent time in many communities where Friday night is always about football during football season and everybody comes out. And that's a good thing, but you know, I wish they would come out as much when there was a debate, you know, uh, or when there was a science fair. Um, we got to celebrate kids and their achievements and not only the athletics. I, I often say this, you know, if, if we, there's a little town in, um, in Florida, Belle Glade, outside of West Palm Beach, it's dirt poor. It's produced more professional football players than any town in America for the last 20 years. And, uh, and, and some people say, because the grass is so high. I say it's because if kids are big and fast, it doesn't matter where they come from. There'll be some coach who will recruit them and tournament an athlete. If we cared as much, we could get lawyers and doctors and engineers from those same communities. It's a question of priorities. And that part bothers me, the lack of attention. Well, you know, and I think there's something, you know, you mentioned the Friday night, the, 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 the way that these things, you know, it's the you know, Friday night light stuff. They're a magnet for a community. They're a, and that stuff's valuable in its own right. But there's also, right, it's something about, it's all of us together and it's the competition. And I think partly, you know, rather than, um, so the National Geographic, for instance, this year, discontinued its geography B. It said, this is a blow for equity. We're going to reallocate these resources from our geography B. And, and I think that's just crazy. I mean, I think if you want that community to get excited about things, this is what Quiz Bowl is great for. I mean, you and I are old enough to remember when who wants to be a, mil uh, who wants to be a millionaire? was like a national phenomenon and it was like getting the answers right and you know uh I, you know i used to coach debate and coach forensics and i think you know the these are the kinds of things spelling bees can have this kind of appeal that like you know well I, somehow we've gotten this idea that competition needs to be pushed out of school kind of alfie Cohn has had more success than i think he ever <laughs> and, and and i think that's just wrong i mean i think what we want is we want like you talked about healthy competition yeah competition where it's okay to lose because it's not you're not a loser we all win sometimes and we all lose sometimes yeah. and like that's what i think that's what hooks kids there's something about that that just 
And kids can get excited about the craziest things, whether it's American Ninja Warrior Jr. or badminton or swimming or like giving them options, getting them hooked in, giving communities something to cheer for. And, you know, it doesn't have to be football. Yeah. Um, Got to be something. And I worry that um, that somehow we've taught, we, we've gotten the notion that that kind of competition is something to be avoided rather than something to be nurtured. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and again, you know, I, I played competitive soccer way too long. Uh, that's why I'm, I had to get two hip replacements as a result. So I, I was uh, sold on it, right? I loved it. It was a big part of my life, brought me a lot of joy. But then I, I was watching the Olympics, you know, and remember Simone Biles, and uh, she was not even able to compete because she was so stressed out. And then we saw the same thing with the, some of the tennis players. I, I, so I think when it goes too far, it can have a damaging effect on people. And um, so I'm with you. I think competition is good. It's healthy. I also think it can go too far and, and uh, result in um, distorting um, our sense of priorities, what's really important. And that's really well said. And I totally agree that, like, you know, I, I can kind of make my defense of paying college football's obscene, uh, football coaches obscene amounts of money and stuff. But look, do I think like it goes too far in the SEC? Of course it does. Like, yes, I, 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 absolutely. And, uh, but I mean, I think one of the nice things, a lot of these other kinds of competition, um, outside of maybe head of the Charles, I don't think kayak, uh, you know, rowing competitions could tend to go too far. Um, I think there's, you know, maybe, you know, if you're doing Olympic gymnast, uh, gymnast or not, but I think um, a lot of these things, you know, one of my, one of the things I've really grown to love around the pandemic is my kids, we started watching American Ninja Warrior. You ever watch this, Pedro? I do. I, one of my nephews competed. <laughs> no kidding. It was funny. One of our old colleagues, the woman who used to, well, one who used to work with us at AEI, Aaron Kundoff, uh, had competed. And I, I, one time early in the pandemic, we were just, you know, looking for things to do with the kids. And they just thought it was really cool. And then they got this America Ninja Warrior Junior thing that they do. And it's, you know, it is such a heartening vision for me of like the values that I think are healthy with kids that these, you know, that these kids compete and, but, but, you know, the guys who host it and the, 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 the uh, ninja stars who hang out there, like always go out of their way to like, make sure they're connecting with the kid who loses and the kid who wins, they're supportive of them. The kids are expected to kind of cheer each other on to like high five or hug at the beginning. And it's just such a vision of look, competition is something that gives us all a chance to reach within ourselves rather than, and, and I don't think there's much chance of those kinds of things going too far. And so I'd, so that's why I worry when I saw the National Geographic Union, like saying, we're gonna just, I've never heard of a, of a geography bee go, be going too far. <laughs> never see angry parents at the geography bee yeah. on like Fox or at CNN, like beating, it's just not part of the culture. Right. So like need more of that, not less. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think getting kids to strive to do their best to excel is a good thing. And, and education should do that in, in lots of things, whether we're talking about sports or music or anything mm -hmm. else. Um, I, I don't think we should settle for uh, mediocrity or, or just everybody gets a trophy <laughs> Yeah, because you participate. Yeah, no, and you're right. That's right. I mean, this mindset, right, should be it should permeate music and dance and art and debate. And, uh, 
you know, and it's it's weird. I got one of one of my hopes for the whole social emotional learning movement, especially three four years ago, was that it would help revivify these things. And instead, we seemed we we seem much more focused on therapy than on kind of that kind of proliferation of activity yeah. right now. Um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that will shift. I, I me too. I mean, I think a healthy balance is for us to celebrate the accomplishments of people who excel rather than we feel bad because you did so well. No, 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 no. There's room for all of us to do our best. And just because you outperformed me doesn't mean I'm a less of a person. You just happen to do it a lot better than me. And that's okay. And that's part of life. And we are all not going to be the number one in in our fields. Well, especially in that, right? I mean, you might be, you might kick my butt at this, but on a different, different activity. Like, then this idea that we're not one-dimensional people, kind of Herbert Marcuse's old one-dimensional man stick. Um, you know, and Pedro, just because I want to mention it, I mean, the point you made about the giving back is so huge. I mean, one of the great things about sports yeah. is when it inculcates that culture, you know, was uh, this week is uh, the My Cleats, My Calls Week in the NFL. Oh, yeah, I saw that picture that so, uh, you know, there's these, Night Football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, so like Devin McCourty, the Patriots, I just, you know, I don't agree with all his causes, but he's just such a passionate, like involved guy. David Robinson was just such a, you know, has played just such a massive role in the world of charter school, yeah. such an actual one in San Antonio. And like that, you know, it's interesting that a lot of pro athletes do seem to, and it seems like such a healthy way to channel your energy. And it'd be great if we made that more a part of the fabric all the way down. Before we go, what do you what do you think about pro athletes who lie about being vaccinated? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what was what was Aaron Rodgers dodge? Oh, I've been immune. He said he got inoculated, <laughs> and then Antonio oh. Brown just got suspended for the season uh, because it turned out he he lied uh, about he, being vaccinated. Well, and did you see how AB got busted on this? No, his personal chef uh, apparently AB owed the guy ten grand, stiffed him. And so the guy went ahead and leaked. Wow. Wow. So, uh, ben, I, I guess he deserves to get busted. <laughs> but but oh, why man. the discrepancy? Aaron Rodgers is still playing. Antonio Brown is out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they should uh, both be gone. Because, <laughs> again, you know, if it's not just about sports, but about character and about, you know, integrity, then that should count. That should matter. And, and that yeah. should send a message to, to the fans and to the kids. Right. Whereas Tom Brady sat four games because they think he may have played a role in sort of like some air out of some footballs. And like, I'm not a, a Brady fan, but I, I admire greatness and he's got it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, Pedro, uh, man, we covered a lot of ground in this thing. <laughs> hey, um, I don't think I'll see you till, uh, 20, uh, till 2022. So wishing you a, uh, a Merry Christmas and a terrific new year, pal. Same to you, Rick. Happy, happy holidays. The two of us have much more to say, but we're out of time for today. If you're interested in hearing more, check out our book, A Search for Common Ground, conversations about the toughest questions in K-12 education. Thanks for listening to Common Ground, conversations on schooling. And thanks to our producers, Tracy Shera and Olivia Shaw. You can subscribe to Common Ground on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, consider leaving us a review. And feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see us discuss by sending an email to podcast at agi.org. Thanks for joining. Until next time.